Hello, everyone, and welcome to this. It's Thursday. It's the free one. Free. It's Thursday for us. Uh, free episode. Yeah. Mm. Welcome it's to the Monday it's Thursday for us episode of TF. <laughs> it's Thursday for us, and the man um, who was Thursday for us. <laughs> the podcast that promises you one thing: when we are off our usual schedule, we will tell you about it. <laughs> we are. Uh, we are sitting. We are drinking soy tears <laughs> into skim milk. We'll, we'll tell you about our recording schedule. We'll tell you what our position is relative to <laughs> chairs. November, November, November. Yes. You are drinking skimmed milk right now, are you not? Am I? Crying soy oh, tears. That's true. As a, as a lib. We're all, we're all, we're all just. We're all almond facing. Yeah, that's right. We're all doing the almond face. I do think it's, that's quite endearing. Like, we haven't had a sort of like consuming this type of very normal food makes you gay. We haven't had one of those for a while. Yeah. It was of, like of, of all the culture war stuff to import from the U.S. The soy stuff, you know, weird choice. It's yeah. uh, it's that's right. Jacob Rees Mogg. Yeah, Jacob Rees Milk. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if anything else is going would you, on. Would you, would you like to hear Milk Yes. I, I, I don't even. I, I don't know what this is. I forgot to get the Rees Mogg drop. So you just have this instead. What is the milk, mother? <laughs> oh, Jacob Rees Mogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really is him. Uh, yeah, Jacob. I feel like the the Jacob Rees Mogg has gone on GB News to um talk to complain mm. about how you can't milk an almond or an oat, yeah. which is basically like doing a Bill Hicks bit, but minus like the leather jacket and with a kind of Savile Row suit. You can't even milk one of your fellow boys at boarding school. Anymore. <laughs> you can't that. Which I think just proves that extended exposure to culture war is similar to seven CTEs. Yeah, yeah, like genuinely, it's it's so weird because they they're kind of running out of U.S. culture war stuff to import. A lot of it's just not worked. Like Liz Truss was today saying that like a cabal of trans civil servants had brought her down, which is just uh, like it, it's desperation stuff. And so mm. now you have Jacob Rees-Mogg being reduced to like he used to do government shit. He used to bother civil servants yeah. about stuff, and now he's like, uh, milk makes you gay. Or whatever the fuck. And it's just, it's really strange and pathetic. Mm. It's weird that a man who is this Victorian and like doesn't have a computer on his desk is this online. Like it's a strange juxtaposition. Like a man who like doesn't know what a computer is, but is so infected with like, like internet specific brain. He he gets sort of like quill written uh, tweets Mm. and stuff. You know, yeah, there, yeah. he's he's reading like Infowars, but on illuminated manuscripts. Yeah, somewhere <laughs> in in the basement of the Reese Mogg mansion is like a stoker powering a computer that runs on coal. He's got a steam powered difference engine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have depicted myself as a series called Jeeves to go online. I've depicted myself as a series of valves indicating the position of a soy jack. Now uh, he is, of course, then saying to everyone watching. You should all drink heavy cream all the time. I'm not going to do that. I would have the shits atrociously, I feel. Mm. Which maybe is patriotic and would maybe make you into a, you know, good, strong, healthy Tory or whatever. But, like, I, you read the fucking Master and Commander novels or something, and, like, being a Tory is about eating, like, 10 to 15 pounds of mutton in one sitting. Mm. It, it's really come down in the world if, you're, if the point is, like, cream. Just ingest yeah. cream. 
Nanny would always inject heavy cream into her breast so that I might suckle it out. Yeah, it's it's too bad she stopped doing that last month. Yeah, it's not, I, honestly, his his nutrition has really suffered. Um, no, it's the uh, it's it just it's all of that stuff. Like I'm drinking heavy, ha- drinking unhealthy stuff. I'm mm. unlike. Those, Are you triggered? Are you triggered? Are you triggered? Yeah, with their faux leather sandals and their skid milk, it doesn't really make sense coming from someone whose whole. I'd say um, persona is that of being a kind of aloof aristocrat. Like you could, mm. you wouldn't really imagine. Um, again, and but remember, always have to remember he's not that. He just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. plays one. But this yeah. is like it's Greg Stubbe coded. It's not the type of shit Reesmog should be doing. It doesn't. It doesn't work with his like affect. You, you think he should? He should have been saved from participation in direct frontline politics. He's been sort of tricked, much like Greg Stubbe. Should never have been in frontline I- politics. He should have been doing something funner and cooler. I have a creamed dot wav, and I have no idea yes. what this is. We're gonna get creamed. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is because like Reese Mogg's thing is always like you know he's he's lounging on the front bench at Parliament loosely saying things like, "Well, I think if you recall the Salmon Act, actually you aren't allowed to speak in Parliament unless you're wearing a pocket watch. So why don't you toddle off home and collect your timepiece, sir?" Like that's his vibe. Like he can't be doing like the American like the oh, the milk that makes you gay. Like it's not <laughs> like it's not it's not Reesmog coded. Like they're all being for like the Tory party is being forcibly like in weirdified. And it's even affecting Jacob Rees-Mogg, a man who's already weird. But a different kind but, of weird. But a different kind of weird, exactly. Only a matter of time until we get the Black Rifle Tea Company. Mm. <laughs> come on, come on. We get the, we bla- the black musket black, tea yeah, company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I have, I have another creamed actually. A guy on a bike got creamed. <laughs> <laughs> My God, what a what a what an electric segment. Yeah. Uh, we should go watch TV news. Anyway, mm. anyway. Hi everybody. It's TF. Wait, hang on. We didn't mention that the final glass of milk, his favorite one, which is the unpasteurized straight from the cow, oh. was labeled Chad. It said Chad on the label. It was the Chad milk. I, that's I don't, these guys I don't all... think that milk makes you chat. No, well, no. That, that's because these guys all have internet people working for them. But also, also mm. like Jacob Rees-Mogg, very far from the traditional depiction of a chat, I would say. You can't draw him in profile as the, like, yes yeah. guy with that jawline. He's very much the quintessential virgin, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a Muppet. <laughs> he looks like Beaker, but like with a monocle. It, it, uh, not even a Muppet that's like... Uh, sort of congruent with the yes Chad guy, like Sam the mm. Eagle, you could do as a Chad. Beaker, yeah. absolutely out of the question. Mm. Beaker will never be a Chad. Doctor Bunsen, K Honeydew. I mean, there's yeah. there's a few. You know? These are the battle lines that we are willing to draw. You could do a Miss Piggy Chad. Beaker is always ruining the experiments of Doctor Bunsen, and in and he he suffers no consequences. <laughs> so we talk about Parliament. Apparently, Parliament is uh, every MP now is uh-huh. under a huge amount of danger yeah. from um every mafioso... mp has been yeah. assassinated <laughs> we we, yeah. we we regret to tell you this but like every single one of them they have all been assassinated and are assassinated every mm. day mm-hmm. by mean tweets yeah by yeah. by by gender by hamas Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm-hmm. anyone engaging with them with anything except for deference. I, I, I used to say about this that the only sort of like bipartisan political position in Parliament was it should be illegal to at me. And it's it's back, you know, it never really went away. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they brought Wes Streeting the wrong gyoza in Wagamamas and he's not recovered. Mm. So, uh, what happened for um, American listeners is 
there were there Oaths there are periodically are. yeah there are period and I don't want to get into too much of the parliamentary yeah. wrangling. This is just so you can know the kind of the kind of the, I don't know the um the, the genesis of the sort of new furor here was um the SNP had an opposition day where you can then bring you as the opposition are allowed to bring motions and set an agenda, mm. right? You're probably going to have them all voted down, but you can at least, like, force questions on yeah, them and stuff. And, yeah, and the SNP are in this place where, for both cynical and idealistic reasons, they get to be right about Gaza and demand an immediate ceasefire mm. and, you know, do all the things that don't concede to Israel in a way that's very gratifying. Importantly as well, making reference to things like collective punishment, which are then, yeah. like, be- have legal ramifications for the UK to recognize that something like that is going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the, they are able, they bring this motion, and the last time they did this, it caused a huge stir in uh, the Labour Party, which, caused, which basically caused a bunch of MPs and frontbenchers to sort of vote against uh, a more watered-down Labour resolution that's just like, we think it's nice to be nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that, that, had, that went to some weird places, like Jess Phillips resigned over it, for instance. Yeah. Unexpected stuff. Uh, now, this is happened happening again, right? But with the, I don't know, again, we tend to talk about the domestic UK side of these things. This is not the most important thing. This is just the thing going on here. Yeah, it does, it's not unimportant either, like, as far as, like... When I say this is not the most important thing about... The situ about what's going on in the Middle East. This is me slicing my beer can into a little man and going, time is a flat circle, right? Like, everything that's ever been done will happen again. I mean, th- mm. th- this is the thing. If, like, the, if every single member of uh, the Commons, like, all voted for a private member's bill enthusiastically endorsing Hamas, right, it mm. wouldn't make any mm. difference in terms of the, like, actual diplomatic repercussions of it. But... In terms of like having mm. condemned this, now it is going to like add yeah. a little bit to the historical record, at least. Yeah, correct. Like yes. if you're if you're Rupert Murdoch right now, you have the opportunity to do the funniest thing possible, which what, is dying? throw one that, but two, throw the British tabloid press full throat behind the British government should support Hamas, <laughs> and watch the way Keir Starmer triangulates that <laughs> coming out in a green headband. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I welcome Hamas. <laughs> the only thing I would criticize Hamas for is that they have shaken hands with Jeremy Corbyn. But other than that, <laughs> I've always thought they were very reasonable people. Labour has changed and changed <laughs> again. That's right. uh, no, so, any case, the SNP brings forward this motion mm. that is, has some specific things in it that would have effects in UK law if, the par- if Parliament recognizes. Labour then. Drafts basically another amendment. Yeah, the, the pussy amendment, if you yeah, will. Yeah, taking out references to things like collective punishment, uh, calling for a ceasefire right now, but going, stopping short of anything that makes any sort of measurable difference to what their yeah. position has been. It's nice to be nice. Essentially, mm. yes. And again, they, the, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of like sort of rules finagling, which I don't think is the most interesting part, which is essentially mm. to go to the speaker and say, you have to break parliamentary protocol to put our amendment first so we don't have a whole bunch of resignations yeah. again. What it is is that they, they stitched it up with the Speaker of uh, the House of Commons so that you MPs didn't get to vote on the SNP thing, which saved Starmer for an embarrassing rebellion, but which thoroughly pissed off the SNP and the Tories. And, mm. and then the thing that I think is the uh, sort of most, I don't know, darkly funny about it is that the labor right dark arts people or whatever 
could not stop themselves from immediately calling every journalist they knew and saying, we just did the best blackmail the, you have ever seen. They're so excited to be back mm. in power that they kind of, to, to switch countries in my metaphors, they spike the football, right? And they're like, we just blackmailed the shit out of this guy. It's great. Looking forward to like 15 years in power. Uh, cheers. But yeah. also, crucially, the sort of the labor right thing was step one, do the blackmail. Step two, announce doing the blackmail. Step three, anyone who is mad at me for either doing or announcing the blackmail is assassinating me. Step four, deny doing the blackmail. That's the real prestige. Yeah. It's so funny to imagine being like threatened in a mafioso way by Keir Starmer. Like, Mr. Speaker, <laughs> I couldn't help but notice what a pristine robe you're wearing. It would be a shame if it were to be rent or begrimed in any way. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Mr. Speaker, you and I are good friends, and I would like that relationship to continue. It would be a shame if you were to meet with some kind of unfortunate accident of the type which under this government has become all too common. My father was a toolmaker, and he did teach me certain things such as how to make a rudimentary shiv out of sheet metal. Now, that's not something I would like to have to do, Mr. Speaker. I would not like for that shiv to be brought anywhere near your kneecaps, but it's impossible for me to guarantee at this time that that won't happen unless, unless certain measures are taken by you to ensure that our amendment goes first. And in that case, we can be sure to leave your sporting goods store alone. <laughs> uh, yes, Starmer busting out Lindsay Hoyle, huh? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Get back in your Hoyle, Lindsay. <laughs> Don't you reminisce on me. <laughs> You're a degenerate fucking politician. <laughs> Do you think you're the first guy that's been politically maneuvered? <laughs> this is my bread and butter. That's how I make a living. <laughs> but, but, Dad, wasn't this Eric Hoyle's Jeep? <laughs> Look, you'll drive it and you'll enjoy it. It's a sensible car. It's a Suzuki Vitara. <laughs> so, right, this is, this is sort of the maneuverings, right? The various yeah. political maneuverings. And, and it was designed basically to allow. Because we talk about, like, when we talk about um, sort of Israel, we talk about the Western support of Israel trying to contend, and Western Western countries continually trying to thread the needle, however they can, of saying we are supporting Israel. We wouldn't support them if they committed a genocide. We don't think they are committing one. Basically, mm -hmm. right? Would I support a country committed a genocide? I think a lot of democratic or sort of managed democratic institutions, whatever you want to call it, have to keep running up against the fact that this is manifestly and visibly untrue. Yeah. And is proven most often, time and again, by like fucking members of the Knesset, by, 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 by IDF soldiers. You have to do all of this like Senate parliamentarian bullshit and all yeah. of this like Robert's Rules of Order shit. And then having done it, uh, you go and check Twitter in between texting lobby journalists about how epically you just threatened uh, a guy, and you see a bunch of videos of like IDF guys like stealing women's underwear or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it reminds me of like I I knew this girl who was a who was a criminal barrister who did legal aid work, and she was constantly having to defend like guys in the drug business who were like, "Yeah, I killed the guy, but I'm pleading not guilty." And she's like, "Please do not say that in court." And that is like <laughs> what everyone defending Israel is like. Is like, look, I know they're saying they're committing a genocide, but I think we can all agree that's a bit of tomfoolery, and actually they're not. 
And this is the kind of fallout from that, right? Which is that these institutions need to keep threading that needle of advertising to the home, as advertising to both sides of the home audience, and also maintaining the required sort of international stance. Well, and then this is just another example of like one of the gears is just stopped and the other is just losing teeth on it mm. as it whacks up against it. Yeah. Is that good? Not as losing as many teeth as Lindsay Hoyle. <laughs> and, and we talk about like this particular issue is just shattering the consensus of like Western democracy, whatever you want to call it, mm. because it is the unstoppable force and the immovable object just colliding with one another. Yeah. And, and in every event, where that contradiction then goes is that every MP from every party has now already agreed. Stella Creasy's already written a fucking Guardian article. Already, right? At the time of the, of the recording of this episode. Already there's one out about how every MP, as you said, November, is getting assassinated every day. How, in fact, some were saying, oh, and there was a mob of very angry, wink, pro-Palestinian, wink, protesters outside yeah. of Parliament. Mm -hmm. That again, another, I, I saw, I, I follow like a bunch of, Bigger and lesser lobby journalists, just because I want to know what they're saying for the purposes of this and show. And because we're all best friends with those people, because we are the leftmost extremity of that amoeba. <laughs> but is right, it Stella Creasy, but, the MP for like Crouch End? She's had a gales for catcher thrown at her in the street. Any case, any case, someone set their sausage dog on her. Any case, right? <laughs> that, that other other lobby journalists who were leaving were saying, "Well, hang on a second. I'm leaving Parliament at the same time. I see no mob." Mm. I see mm. nothing. Well, I mean, we, we had a Scottish version of this where, where there was only like, one mob you don't know, worry about. <laughs> as West Streeting is kind of like putting red laces into his boots. Yeah. You kick up to West Streeting and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I mean, uh, there was this thing in Scotland where it's like, uh, I, I, God, was it Paul Mason? Who was like, Paul yeah, Sweeney. We, Paul Sweeney. It was Paul Sweeney who was like, we're inside an MSP's office, uh, and like thirty feral Palestine activists are trying to kick the door down. And then someone posted a photo, and it's two of the most bored cops you've seen in your life standing in a doorway, and five nice older people with signs just mm. standing across the hallway from them, being like. I think it's bad that there's a genocide. Well, because what the old, what they're what you're doing in that case, right, mm. is you are defending yourself by raising the emotional temperature so high. You're saying, doesn't matter. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I need protection. How dare you tell me like this thing that I'm scared of isn't actually happening when I'm so scared of it? By the way, since uh, every MP is invoking Joe Cox and her murder, do we know what she thought about Palestine at all? Or uh, also the guy who murdered her. What was what was, what was his deal? What's he on about? Well, she was murdered by the left. She was murdered by supporters of Jeremy Corbyn. Oh yes, it was because because it was that guy, right? That that momentum guy who like waited for her and then hit her with like a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if this is like they're all basically saying I'm going to be the next Joe Cox, and then what is what what is allowed to happen is then. Pundits are able to then go on. I don't know. Julia Hartley Brewer is able to go on talk TV and loudly wonder, you know, who is what? When will action finally be taken against these Britain-hating traitors who all happen to support pretty Muslim stuff? Who by the will way. rid me of these turbulent protesters? You know? I'm gonna be the next Joe Cox. No, don't worry. Not by taking a principled stance on anything. God no. <laughs> not in that sense. Um, you know, and this is basically right. What we have. The consensus that has been very quickly reached as a result of the fallout from some political wrangling, because then the Labour Party has had to say why it asked the Speaker to take some extraordinary measure. It's like, well, we thought that if we, if, if we 
were to openly disagree with the idea that Israel is engaging in collective punishment of Gazans, that that would incite the sort of at once terrifying and strong, but cowardly and amusing and weak enemies in the name of like Islamists, quote unquote, 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 and the left who are either in thrall to them or in their thrall, they will all be incited to terrorize us with posts and, and placards and we'll get assassinated every day. There, there are a bunch of like uh, Hamas and Hezbollah guys in the gallery of the House of Commons at that point when they were sort of debating that, as I understand. Well, they were on a tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were a tour group. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, what, they can't enjoy architecture? Yeah, right? So, and this is like, I don't like to overstate things. I think that this particular horse, which was basically all but one tail hair, out of the uh, barn, as now its last tail hair has left the barn, as everyone has agreed that the state of exception, which I think has been being begged for and begged for and begged for by people, by let's say more and more and more of the political spectrum, starting of course with your Douglas Murrays and stuff on the right, mm. right? The state of exception is now closer to being enacted, where you can say, well, it's all very well and good to believe what you believe. However, we are now going to look at covering more things like engaging in actual, uh, let's say, engaging in some kind of demand, a political demand, right, that this that. be recognized. Yeah, yeah don't do that. But that, that, that is now sort of terroristic because mm. we MPs are, are all scared, right? We MP, MP is now a protected class in like the progressive stack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, when, uh, when, when normal people are scared or emotionally affected by things, that doesn't count. Of course. Yeah. I just, I just like vaguely remember a few years ago when an activist, I think, sort of like said, like did a thread on Twitter about how when she was sort of doing, when she was sort of door knocking, like she got, when this was like sort of during the Corbyn period, how mm. she was sort of getting like, and there were lots of stories about this, like getting sort of like physically attacked. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There was no preparation for that. And like an MP, and again, like if I've, I, I, I'm sort of only half remembering the story. So like apologies if I've got it wrong. But like from what I understand, it wasn't an MP. It was like someone who worked at the local labor branch was just like, you know, well, that's just something that you have to deal with, right? Like that is part and parcel of politics. And if you don't like it, then, you know, fuck off. Something, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And there's like a lot of examples. There are like a lot of examples of that. And, it's, and to me, it sort of feels quite interesting because I don't, I don't think it's like entirely incorrect to sort of be like, okay, well maybe like, you know, maybe there does need to be like a bit more, at least, at least awareness of protection of, you know, not just MPs, but anyone who's sort of doing political campaigning, especially at times when there is like an increase of like politically driven violence. Sure. You have to identify where that political violence is coming from. All of that was sort of ignored. Yeah. All of that has sort of been made worse by, you know, kind of, you know, ongoing austerity and, you know, the government just like not giving a shit about it. And then all of a sudden, like the kind of the re rebirth of the invoking of the term Islamist now kind of has created this existential crisis. But the thing that is really interesting to me is that like, even this time when they're trying to sort of use the Islamist angle as a way of kind of suggesting that democracy is in danger, at least the last time this was sort of invoked, they were kind of talking about like an actual Islamist group. But this time around, like, like, Hamas, like, this isn't sort of an Islamist objective, right? Like, mm. the people who are showing up to these protests are kind, they're not 
echoing any sort of Islamist objective. There has been even like the most sort of out, even the most sort of like bad faith um, observations of these protests have never sort of said that, oh, there are people here who are calling for like the establishment of of an Islamic state. Mm-hmm. Um, but a man went to Stella Creasy's office and said, right. would you like me to be the cat? So the argument sort of just seems to sort of be that, oh, there's a lot of people protesting and it just so happens that a lot of people who are protesting are visibly Muslim and therefore... Um, mm. the, the, the the sort of existential threat of Islamism has come back and we need to sort of heavily police it, securitize it, deport people. There was like one kind of post that I saw on my way here where someone was sort of saying that like, oh, the rise of Islamism can't be, the rise of this Islamist threat can't be divorced from like, you know, um, recent immigrants to this country. But it's like, yeah, but there's no evidence to suggest that there's a relationship between the two. This is just... Like these are kind of in a in a really weird way, and it sort of goes back to like the beginning when we were sort of talking about right wing culture wars and grievances and everything, and how that is sort of all kind of coalescing in these very weird ways. This does seem to sort of be another attempt to sort of do culture wars, where even though logically it doesn't make sense, it's more about like invoking particular feelings and using these kind of contemporary moments as sort of conduits to uh, enhance that. If you want to talk about uh, about feeling, right? Again, it's as though the the op-eds were already written, right? Because Mm -hmm. the op-eds as well are talking about how, oh, abuse directed at MPs is appearing to influence the way parliament functions, right? That it's because what what that's saying, right, is you people who are protesting, right? You people who are demanding from your MPs that they like do something, right? That you people who are making political demands of your MPs, Mm. right? You are breaking Parliament because you're scaring because you're scaring the host. They've been basically. trying to they, they've been trying yeah. to do this for a while in the sense that like for from what I've seen there has always been this for for the past like couple of months there has been this attempt to sort of associate the protests the sort of anti genocide protests that are happening on most weekends in London and around the and around the country as sort of being like an existential danger and initially they were trying to do it on the basis that like oh these crowds are really violent. They're sort of making London unsafe for tourists to come down. There were like people who have always yeah, like the like, Hezbollah, you know, like, I, like another another weekend where I can't come into London because of like you know all these protesters. But they're not really clear how the protesters are sort of disturbing them, unless like they want to go to a very specific brunch place that just happens to be on Trafalgar Square. Happens to be on yeah. Trafalgar Square. I tell you um, why you can't go into London at the weekend because there's no fucking trains, cunt. How about that? <laughs> And that and that hasn't really landed. Like I feel like there's lots of kind of like weird people who sort of complain about it, but it hasn't quite landed. And so to me, this sort of speaks to a time where they've sort of figured out that oh, we can make this. This has more of a chance to land if you sort of say that these protests are a threat to the, sort of the functioning of democracy, and it's making like MPs have like and like you know leader of the opposition having to uh, resort to extreme circumstances mm. and almost derail parliamentary process because they're so terrified of these protesters. That seems as good as any as a way of attempting to kind of curtail or ban or at least sort of like massively contain these protests, which is something that they've been trying to do for like a very, very long time. They've had to turn to Keir Starmer's mob for protection. If you compare this to the the things that are then said after a successful terrorist attack or a successful assassination, which are inevitably of the kind of like, we will never yield to this kind of pressure. This, you know, if we change our ways of living, then the terrorists have won. Doing this now seems like as if it's only going to embed the lesson, like, making MPs frightened, if this is apparently what's happening, 
fucking, it, it's working really well, because, you know, they're on the news all the time talking about how terrified they are and how much they're going to have to change. The only mob that we're allowed to accept is the mob that keeps doing chop salads. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what the fuck are they frightened of exactly? Like, I just find it a bit like, if you're, like, if you're Stella Creasy, how high up fucking Hamas's hit list do you realistically think you are? They'd have to murder a fuck of a lot of members of the British government before turning their attention to Stella Creasy. I mean, may- maybe the idea is they envision some kind of, like, South London far-left terrorist cell, which mm. I... But listen, they think that they're being controlled by Hamas, yeah. so why are what, Hamas what, directing what them think, at Stella Creasy? What they think is just, I deserve deference. My My job in politics should be... To, you know, take my meetings with my gambling companies, promise them I can get them, like, insider access, whatever it is, right? It should be fun. It should, I should feel important. I should get my West Wing moment. I shouldn't have to deal with any of this. I shouldn't have to look at protesters. I shouldn't have to think about the consequences of my actions, which might be important. Right, I should not have to be exposed to any. Say of this. what you like about the West Wing as a piece of liberal mythology, but at least it had the idea that politicians were public servants. Whereas this is something completely alien to a lot of MPs. It's now. like earn my fucking respect, cunt. Like all these people were parachuted into these seats that they can never be voted out of because they're like completely safe. And it's just like, well, why? Why do you deserve deference? On what basis? What the fuck have you ever done? Well, this is the other thing too: is that like if you can't be voted out because. Like, your seat is never going to change hands, and there's never going to be, like, an insurgent left challenge to you in your fucking one village in Bedfordshire or whatever. Then the only thing that can conceivably threaten you is, I guess, a Hamas guy popping out of a manhole cover with an AK. Like, like <laughs> Wes Streeting is like, what if the plot of the film Air Bud had happened to a British MP? Like, there's nothing in the rules that says a man with the brain of a dog can't be a member of parliament. And now he has a fucking job for life. And also, we have to be nice to him. No, fuck off. He's a moron. <laughs> People should tell him he's a moron every day of his fucking life until he quits. Now, and I think the, the thing that, of course, that they're scared of, or that they're say, saying they're scared of, it's, it's worth understanding as this is a kind of moral panic that has been stoked by the right and liberals yeah. for about a decade now, more or less, which is this idea... Uh, a weird alliance between those two. Yeah, which is this mm. idea that there is a mob out there, and the mob is always them, capital T, and those them are always a threat. And the them is people who have uh, beliefs that make you a little bit uncomfortable. And if you pay up, we can all still be friends. <laughs> people, people who might be immigrants, might have beliefs that make you a little uncomfortable, might have, might sort of express their gender in ways that you find weird, and you have to be scared of them, because they, at any, capital T, they, at any point, could come in and take over, and then you're going to be, like, you know, giving your pronouns in the gender minds forever as you mine the, like, you know, pro- new, as you mine new pronouns for Hamas. Whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is, they're telling a scary story to themselves to sort of amp themselves up to take drastic action later. And my worry is that what we've done is we've essentially looked at the Reichstag and said, I'm afraid this might burn down. Let's act as though it did. Yeah. Also, mm. as, as far as all of these things existing in a kind of strange confluence, my favorite culture war thing was renaming the overground lines and some far right guy saying, these days, it would probably, because of woke, be named the George Floyd bottom surgery Hamas line. Yeah, and they I, should name it that. I've, 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 I've been thinking that. about that I didn't for know a George week. George Floyd got bottom surgery <laughs> yeah, from yeah. Hamas. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think funded it? Very, very progressive. The, the people tell you about the tunnels under the hospitals, but they don't tell you about the hospital in the tunnels <laughs> that does gender reassignment <laughs> surgery. Yeah, you, you rescue all the hostages, but they all come back with their genders reassigned. Yeah. So I think that the one of the reasons I'm sort of, I don't know, I guess a little more worried. I mean, what else can when you really do is be worried about what has transpired over the last couple of days is that there is a pretty unprecedented level of lockstep agreement now among everyone in power that something must be done immediately and mm. that there is an imme- clear, present, and immediate danger that it must be done about. Deference must be restored. Yes. Mm. And, you know, you, you <laughs> how, wonder. How do we know how to restore that? Oh, heavy-handedness, beatings, uh, yeah. making an example of people, all of this. Yeah, the, uh, the, mm. the beatings will continue until deference improved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I only intended that to be, like, one news item, but I, I, I think we, we ended up staying in there for the right amount of time. Alexei Navalny was insufficiently deferent to Keir Starmer, and we all know what happened to him. <laughs> I've got the recipe for Novichok here. <laughs> I've, got, I've got shooters out here. I've got men in prisons in Siberia. Armed with rubber hose pipes. <laughs> it doesn't matter where, you cannot run from my tendrils. Mr. Speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Hoyle being chased through a fucking sore labyrinth. You could go to fucking Tibet, and I will have men, <laughs> nutters, from Parkhurst, halfway up Mount Everest, ready to chop your tarty fucking legs off. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> Oh, look, the business section, looking distinctly fucking unread. <laughs> if you've not seen the, uh, the Alan Ford East End thug recurring sketch in the Armando Yanucci show, I can recommend. <laughs> um, so do we, with the, with the sort of dying moments of this show, mm. with the final third, yeah. do we want to hear about a company started by a wine bar owner that is a British Clearview, mm-hmm. or... Do we want to hear about a house in Salt Lake City that is trying to become an intentional community based on market anarchy led by a man called Profit? Oh, Ambassador, you spoil us. Um, this is the, this is a tough one. Yeah, I'm going with the house house in Salt Lake City. You know yeah, that, what? that's obviously that's very classic TF. But then also British wine bar guy started. Like I love a stupid British posho. I I you might wine have the casting bar, vote wine here. bar guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Deciding right, well, vote. Wine bar. Okay. We're gonna talk about. Uh, we're gonna talk about the um, meta DAO uh, and its ideology of futarchy. Oh, they the, they mm. finally put Peter Dow on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, finally. that's right. Uh, let me just bring up the document for Face Watch. The, the, the DAO that can be told is not the true DAO. Face Watch, a movie with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta about two men who swapped watches. <laughs> Face Watch <laughs> is yeah. the is the UK's leading. Facial recognition secu- retail security company. Awesome. Yeah, boy. Immediately awesome from me. And imagine this in the context of what we just spoke about. Yeah. Mm. Just just read into this. Everyone who comes within like a 500 foot radius of Stella Creasy's location. Wherever yeah. that is. Yeah. Stella Creasy's wearing the NFT mask that can <laughs> record everyone's facial recognition data. If you want to know what that's a call forward to, subscribe to the Patreon in a few months when... <laughs> It's not a few months. It's a couple subscribe, months. Subscribe yeah. to the Patreon in like 20 years like time. April. That's a reference to an episode that's going to come out in fucking May. <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> NFT mask that takes a picture? 
Wow. Subscribe in May. Be a real head and like keep that in mind. Uh-huh. And then in May, you'll be like, fuck yeah. Oh. Fuck yeah, I know my TF. Yeah. If you're that re-listening would... to this episode in May, you're going to have a fucking yeah. delightful time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've ever fucked an egg, you're you, going to love... Yeah. If you want to fuck an egg... If you love the filmography of Kevin Hart, but only the dramas, then you right. are going to love this. Or, or if you want a like fuckable egg. Yeah. yeah, or if you love the work of F. Gary Gary. <laughs> okay, all right, no more call forwards to an episode that's coming out in yeah. May. So, Facewatch is the UK's leading facial recognition retail security company. Our proprietary cloud-based facial recognition system safeguards businesses against crime, creating a safer environment. The system sends an alert the instant a subject of interest enters your premises. Mm. Now, so, so I, again, it, it like hits the big fucking klaxon that's like mean tweeter detected. They're the only shared national facial recognition database. Oh, good. Okay. Simple, secure, and UK law compliant. Facewatch has proven to stop crime before it happens. All of my law school professors marking this down, no such thing as UK law. It's not a unitary system. Wait, so they're doing, like, pre-cog shit. Like, we know when you're about to commit a crime. Because you've, you've committed crimes before. That's <laughs> right, you look a bit shifty. I see, you've committed crimes before. Highly <laughs> illegal. It's time. Dave Courtney can't go into any fucking Tesco Metro well, because he's dead. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. I know. I mean, he used to be able to. He never yeah. actually committed many crimes. <laughs> is the thing about Dave Courtney. That is true. We we can say that now that he's dead because it's not libeling him anymore. Yeah, that's right. He'd have taken us to court. He'd be like, oh, I committed loads of crimes. Okay, it's time for retail businesses to take a stand. Right, a stand uh-huh. against what? Uh, Probably all the crime. shoplifting, oh. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, has has um has shoplifting made um retail shops unprofitable? Uh, actually, it says half of all retail profits go on shoplifting. That's wow. a fucking lie. That's just a lie. It's not true. <laughs> Hardly anyone shoplifts. Can't be true. Inaccurate. No, I mean, if listen, I'm the thing is, I buy everything down the pub, and I think I might be weighting the national average in favor of the shoplifting there. Slightly, so I apologize for doing like, that. Th- this is one of those crazy things where it's like the reason why supermarkets put in like loads of self checkouts and basically no oversight was because they knew that most people just won't steal stuff from the shop. The vast majority of people who steal from shops are people in kind of like positions of desperation, and like that's not many people in any given shop. Well, I think everyone who goes into a store is there to shoplift yeah. and has to be tricked into buying something. That's right. Or scared. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, or scared. That's, what, that's why you need the increasingly tactical Tesco security guard. Some of my <laughs> yeah. favorite guys in the country right now, by the way. Every so, every time I go in there, that motherfucker has a new thing on. He's like, yeah. he's worse than I am for buying the body tactical cam gear. Is very funny. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna go in there. He's gonna be wearing the like Securicore like uh, fucking riot helmet. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You need the no, night no, vision no, goggles. No, what, what? Here's what he needs. He needs like. The um, Call of Duty Black Ops skull balaclava. Uh, I I, <laughs> yeah. I hate when I go into Tesco and in order to get out with my like Kit Kat chunky for my meal deal, I have to like shoot all of the individual pieces of body armor off of the security guard to get to his health bar. So we're being sent into Sainsbury's local. <laughs> we got his Black Ops. We're in the bakery section. It's, it's dinner for two, so there's a man trying to pass off a pan of chocolate as a plain croissant <laughs> in the self-checkout. Weapons free. You get the guy on the left. Yeah, that's the, they, they need so, SAS. Is this a good time to tell you I love you? The SAS guys in the rafters ready to just fucking Batman people up. <laughs> they say, a continued reduction in police resources, 
combined with an inconsistent approach across the UK, mm. has resulted in significant underreporting of theft in retail, playing directly into criminal hands. It's under. It, well, what? then why doesn't retail ever shut the fuck up about it? It's underreported because no one fucking cares. Like, if you're like Sainsbury's, you just price in a certain amount of shoplifting. Like, they all. Because it's inevitable. Like, you can't have a zero shoplifting system when you run a chain of supermarkets. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. Like, we don't live in minority report. And <laughs> so, it wouldn't be desirable to. Yeah, because people fucking hate it. Yeah. They hate it. So, this is from a recent New York Times article about Face Watch because, once again, like this thing that's now ubiquitous across the UK and is being championed by the Home Office is like basically this should go everywhere. Yeah, and can can only be reported on by podcasts and American media. Uh, the Guardian has focused on the, on the parliamentary element of it, but they haven't gotten into the the company. So, well, I mean, there's difficult to do transphobia there, so, <laughs> so it kind of doesn't hold their attention. Fraser Sampson, Britain's biometrics and, sur- and surveillance camera commissioner, who advises the government on policies from The Guardian, said there was a nervousness and hesitancy on facial recognition technology because the privacy concerns and poorly performing algorithms of the past. Fa- FaceWatch, which licenses facial recognition technology made by Real Networks and Amazon, is now inside nearly 400 stores across Britain. Again, right? Like, I have an objection to this, which is at the other end of this. Which is, say you are, you say you do work in like the Tesco, which is like Escape from New York, right? The one that like every newspaper profile about this manages to find. Escape from right? Bar Hill, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, where every single person who comes in is part of an organized shoplifting ring mm. and who threatens to like chef you up if you get in their way, right? Mm. Obviously not pleasant. If the, like, then, like, fucking AI facial recognition thing recognizes the guy who, like, regularly comes into shoplift and hits the big, that guy's coming in here to shoplift alarm, and there's no cops, and your only option is the, like, you know, security guard covered in body armor, what to do then? Well, that's why he needs to have a tank. What they say you Ah, do is that Mm -hmm. you send some staff to the guy who shoplifts to go and pester him. What? Mm. No, because then he's just going to threaten them you go, too. Hey, hey, like, hey, hey, don't steal that. Hey, it would make me really sad if you. St- it would actually like it would really impact my I'm mental gonna health. I'm going to hold my breath if you steal that. That's right. Y- you you shoplift and then outside your house, waiting for you, are a bunch of like Tesco employees yeah. in the fleeces, looking like fucking Victorian street urchins, being like, hey, please, no, 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 steal. The Tesco guy pointing an obviously toy gun at his own head and going, "I'll do it." I'll do it. <laughs> Trained on millions of pictures and videos, the systems read the biometric information of a face as the person walks into a shop and check it against a database of flagged individuals. And FaceWatch's watch list is constantly growing as stores upload photos of shoplifters and problematic customers. I'm just thinking of the bit in Sonatine with uh, Takeshi Takatana with the fucking egg pistol against his head, except he's wearing the Tesco. You voice. very nearly <laughs> said Takeshi69. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> when he was in Sonatine. So. Every time FaceWatch's system recognizes a shoplifter, a notification goes to a person who passes a test to be a super recognizer, someone with a special talent for remembering faces. This is like a, well, I mean, I don't want to bring up the Kevin Hart movie again, but this is like part of the Kevin Hart movie, like this guy has a super talent for recognizing faces. <laughs> guy who just saw the the movie Lift yeah. with Kevin Hart. <laughs> this has a lot of Kevin Hart Lift <laughs> this guy, vibes. This guy, like, he has object permanence. Like, when his mother puts her hands up in front of her face, he knows she's still there. <laughs> and that's why his job is face recognizer. But, but, but again, the, like, super recognizer is going to do, do what? 
send beat Takeshi to the house? <laughs> yeah, to go and beat Takeshi's gonna like hit them with a, a puffy Q-tip that's gonna send them falling into a mud pit, like in Takeshi's castle. Yeah, they send the, they set off the alarm in Sainsbury's and it's like, arm yourselves, get the stale baguettes. There's like a rack of them on the wall. <laughs> no, no grocery store. So, someone with a talent for remembering faces. Within seconds, the super recognizer must confirm the match against the face watch database before an alert is sent. So there's a human in the loop who's like a professional people person. I guess. <laughs> I don't care. Like, it, it doesn't make it any less inhumane, but also at the other end of it is just question mark, question mark, question mark. It's not tied to, like, a fucking Portal 2 sentry gun. So... What the fuck, right? Like, it's just invading your privacy. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not just invading your privacy. It's also creating uh, a kind of unaccountable, private uh, way to yeah. uh, allow someone to get fucked with if you upload their picture to the system. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, you get, like, a bad social credit score from this. Mm. You, you, like, apply for a loan or something, and they're like, interesting, and yet you are on the fucking Tesco Robocop heads-up display as probable shot. So you should see the state of this guy's Nectar account. He never uses any of the incentivized vouchers to get him to buy Pomodorino tomorrow's when they're on club card price. These, yeah, it, 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 the thing is, right, if you don't have a Nectar card, if you don't have a club card, uh, it is legal to kill you at any time. You are basically an outlaw <laughs> yeah. in this country. You're an unperson. Yeah, never talk to me about the social credit system because we fucking have nectar points. Now that mm. that uh, that person I mentioned, by the way, Fraser Sampson, who was when the article in the Guardian that was read, the biometrics and surveillance camera commissioner for the government, approved Face Watch. Then, like next week, went out, got a job at Face Watch. Whoa, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, hey. so good. Must have done hey. really well at the interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. well, they recognized him. From when it, because they employ all those people. They were like, hey, you're <laughs> the guy who approved Facewatch. Anyway, time to objectively interview you for this job. <laughs> oh my God. How have you, you been doing? Your greatest weakness, yeah. you know? This is great, because now we're meeting officially as opposed to that unofficial meeting we had. A f- anyway. Well, so Samson said, joining Facewatch was an easy decision to take. They've invited Challenge yeah, I bet it was. to review Chicago's <laughs> policy and responded promptly to ensure their operations are lawful and ethical. And now that I'm working for them, I can make double sure from inside. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick oh, Fisher is pushing them to the left. Look, let's, we can't legally say that this man was bribed, but he's doing a pretty good job of being like, isn't it crazy that I took no bribes during this entire <laughs> These guys are so fucking smug. It's so annoying. Like, talking about people who should be in more fear, guys like this who are just like, I'm doing a crime, and there's nothing any of you can do about it. Legally speaking, you did not say that. You fucking cunt. You find we all know what the fucking game is. You little prick. <laughs> now, Nick Fisher, the chairman of Facewatch, said Facewatch sought to recruit Professor Sampson to act as a critical friend. A critical oh, okay. friend. Critical friend, Nick Sampson. And I'm Craig Fishman. Um, <laughs> his appointment further strengthens our commitment to responsible and lawful facial recognition. To prevent crime and people becoming victims of crime. Am I going insane? This is one of the most nakedly corrupt things that's ever happened. And it's like, our commitment to integrity, as demonstrated by this clearly manifestly corrupt thing that we've just done. By hiring the guy who approved us from the government moments after he did it. The sort of thing where were we not engaging in corruption, we wouldn't do this just because it would look like we were. Like, it's the sort of thing, the optics of which would be so bad that even if it were a coincidence you still wouldn't do it who started face watch though because it's not nick fisher hmm. it's the it's a guy called simon gordon uh-huh who ran 
uh-huh. who started a little wine bar uh-huh. in London called Gordon's. Oh, lovely. Uh-huh. The Gordon's wine bar guy got so annoyed at pickpockets at Gordon's that he's set up what is now the National Big Brother database. Guys walking into Gordon's downing a glass of Sancerre and then just running out going, you'll never catch me, copper! <laughs> Again, this is just Riley. I, it's never the people you expect to build the panopticons, is it? I've got the tasting notes now and there's nothing you can do about it! <laughs> is it? Okay! He wrote on a blog for... That wouldn't be... A, Sancerre wouldn't be that okay. Uh, he wrote, Hints of cinnamon! <laughs> running away down the street. Asparagus, grass, none of that for you. Like, maybe some tropical fruit. Anyway, it was 2009. He writes on a blog for his old Catholic school. It's, right. Okay. okay. And I was running Gordon's Wine Bar for my mother as my retirement job. Anything was running smoothly, but one thing niggled me. We seemed to attract lots of pickpockets. Wait, 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 wait. F- hold on. So he, he didn't even create the wine bar, he's just like the wine bar heir? I guess so. Huh. The police simply didn't have the resources to follow up on the thefts, which made things even more interesting. Two baffled Met police officers trying to understand what, uh, like, a Sautern is. Oh, it's good is what it is. <laughs> my, friend, my friend had his pocket watch stolen and his monocle. <laughs> Just like like the other fourteen hours of your shift, you're driving around between fucking like stabbings and shit, and then you get a call from the Ponzi wine bar that someone has had their fucking pocket watch stolen. Yeah, great, perfect. Jacob Rees Mogg had all of his had all of his doubloons stolen. He almost spat out his milk when he discovered it. What I learned from hours of reviewing CCTV is that nearly all what the thefts were carried out by just a handful of people, and if I could stop them, the theft would reduce dramatically. So I started Face Watch in March 2010. With a couple of friends, we built a system for uploading video clips so that we could share images with police and local businesses. Sick crime footage. You're just making a best of compilation for these guys. Amazingly, after just nine months, we were working with the Met Police who accepted crime reports through our system. And then it goes on. It's like, weirdly, we had to be compliant with a whole bunch of laws to get bigger than that. Huh, crazy. Sort, yeah. of, sort of alarming that you didn't have to comply with a bunch of laws to do that first bit, you know? If I was the inventor of Facewatch, I would make an app where you would compare the people who pickpocketed at the wine bar to see which one was hotter. I feel like that would be worth more money. Yeah, but you kind of lose your soul in the process, you know? Yeah, and then David Finch would make a film about me. That was like, that has been the one thing I've been thinking about the whole time. Like, no one's no one's really touched on, uh, face watch, that sounds familiar. You do that, but then you fumble the bag with Rashida Jones, which really doesn't <laughs> seem worth it to me, you know? So, uh, any case, so there's, this is, this is the company, right? And they, sometimes it'll be like, if someone, there have been stories about someone going in, in, like in Bristol, right, and like basically doing something which is very possible, which is accidentally shoplifting. Sure. Like where you can maybe you you use a card that doesn't go through, you don't look at the self checkout long enough, whatever, whatever. You shoplift entirely accidentally, and then her image goes up on Face Watch, and all of a sudden she's not allowed into stores anymore. Mm. Bad bad social credit, you know. Yeah. You have to start going to the Dave Courtney corner shop system <laughs> and- for criminals. Yeah, you have to buy all of your groceries from the Thieves Guild. Yeah. And, the, and in the last few months, this, is, this, is, this came out, this is the New York Times, which is senior officials at the Home Office secretly lobbied the UK's independent pri- privacy regulator to act favorably towards Facewatch to roll out the controversial uh, facial recognition technology across the country. But also, again, the, the, specifically the people who this wouldn't work for are thieves, right? Because, like, someone who is, like, 
unwittingly not a shoplifter who has been like sort of wrongfully tagged in this thing being kicked out of a store is in all likelihood going to go well okay fine i'm a bit like shocked and scandalized by this and if you don't want me to be here i'll leave whereas you're i guess supposed like Al Capone of stealing frozen meats, right, is going to get told, uh, you, you have been flagged on our automated system, please leave Tesco, and simply says, fuck off or I'll stab you. It doesn't, like, it, it, it works precisely backwards, you know? You tried to operate within the system. You tried paying for your groceries, but your debit card was declined. And where has that brought you? Back to me. Okay, stop. Back to me selling meat out of my coat in the pub. So, Chris, Chris Philp. Chris Philp said, uh, Would you like a DVD copy of White Chicks? It's been recorded from the back of the cinema. <laughs> I'd, I'd love one. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kier. Uh, Chris Philp, who's the, the police commissioner. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that we made a guy policing minister who uh, forgot the second I in Philip, but whatever. <laughs> says uh, he, would, he would keep on um, complaining to the information commissioner's office if their regulator, if their investigation into Face Watch was not positive. Maybe that's saying, his private quote, eye. If you are about to do something imminently in Facewatch's favor, then I should be able to head that off. Otherwise, we'll just have to let things take their course. Cool. Again, none of this seems bad in any way, as far as I can tell. Says the, <laughs> the heavily redacted correspondence also reveals that, even before the alleged threat, an internal February ICO briefing into the Facewatch investigation uh, indicates that the Home Office had made it plain to the regulator that facial recognition to combat retail crime was the strategy to be pushed aggressively by Philp. So basically, right, this the wine bars like made in a shed, jerry-rigged system to like deter petty crime is now kind of being pushed in the corridors of power, but because this is Britain, there will be no meaningful scandal about it. Cool. Essentially. Yeah, and also like it won't work, but we'll make things worse for like everyone anyway. Apart from Keir Starmer, who's going to be making money hand over fist with this, apparently. <laughs> uh, you know, the, um, the home, in fact, this is like, they are so enthusiastic for this. <laughs> They're just going to the leader of the opposition to buy a bunch of, like, meat that fell off the back of a lorry. Yeah. The ICO, meanwhile, uh, told, sorry, this is the Observer, uh, told the Observer that the Home Office had no influence on its investigation into Facewatch. Well, I assume a red dot from the Home Office hovered on their forehead. Yeah. I mean, Perhaps you should be watching your own face, Mr. Hoyle. Yeah. <laughs> and the hope that nothing happens to it. The, again, this is, uh, this is the thing that's the big idea, which is we're going to have more cameras, more facial recognition, in more public places. In the most surveilled country on Earth. Yes. Mm -hmm. At a time when MPs are just allowed to say, I'm frightened of everybody who isn't, who I don't know from, like, school. Hmm. At a time when MPs are getting really into stranger danger. Oh, and Labour MPs are frightened of quite a lot of people they knew at school as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bit, you, you walk into your MP's constituency surgery and, and an alarm goes off because you used to, like, give them a swirly in, like, middle school. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. I think that's probably all we have the time for today, but... Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I just, um, I just concluded that like it was a game of fives. Thank you very much for a lovely game of fives. I, I don't. You can't what? have a game of fives with a Labour politician. They'll be terrified. I was also going to say Reva startup, and I know it's very late, and we had basically close out the episode. But I do think there is one good thing to come out of the extension of facial recognition, which is that we will all be forced to become masters of disguise—a yeah. reference that you can understand in a few months. <laughs>
Why, We're they all... will surely let me into this here branch of ritual as known as Tesco when I'm dressed as the colonel. We're, We're all going to be switching. be forced to fuck the same Tenga egg. Why, why, sir, I believe there's no law against being a southern gentleman in this here Sainsbury's local. I wish, I simply wish to come in and buy myself some carrot sticks and whom. Is that, is that, a, is that a crime, sir? Is it illegal for me to buy myself a nice bottle of bourbon no. and a blue Raz vape device? You're legally, bu- you're buying it legally, but with money you got from a stolen Van Gogh painting. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I-, I like that we're perfecting the art of the call forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've paid $20 million and I want my NFT. <laughs> Go watch the Kevin Hart movie Lift between now and early May. Don't do that That's- to yourself. Don't, don't. No, yeah. it was so fun. It's such a bad movie, but in like a really fun way. You will be like yelling at your TV. Like it's so wrong. We should have recorded these episodes in the other order. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you very much. For listening to this free episode of TF, there is a second episode. It is five dollars per month. It's about the movie Lift. It's, it's not about the Kevin Hart movie. It Lift will yet. eventually be about the Kevin Hart movie Lift. There'll be many others in between. Yeah. Um, there are. Uh, yeah, it's Kevin Hart month on TF. We're doing every other Kevin Hart movie. <laughs> there's uh, there's also our ten dollar tier, which has a second Brit. What's the second Britonology this month? Second Britonology is going to be about a rising damp. The uh, not the phenomenon oh, which okay. most people who rent property in Britain will be aware of. No, it's about the sitcom from the 1970s about a landlord who owns a block of flats dealing with all of his different tenants. And November, what's the ten dollar uh, left on red going to be? Uh, it's going to be Master and Commander. So That's fucking right. get hyped about that. Get we are going to be listing different types of sales. Royals for one to hour. gallons main source. <laughs> A very nice man of war you have there, Napoleon. Would be a shame <laughs> if something were to happen to it. If a certain Captain Jack Aubrey were to involve himself in your campaign in the South Atlantic. <laughs> if you were to if we were to spill the wind from our sails in a lubberly fashion. Mm. But surely, you know, one should always choose the lesser of two weevils. <laughs> now uh, so that's that's going to be happening. It's going to be recording that soon. Uh, so all of that this month. Yeah, bump your Patreon uh, pledge up to to ten dollars a month. You know, and do it now. Secondly, now. Do you it can now. be banned from Tesco's, but not from the Trash Future Patreon. And if you're you going to do that, be banned from the Trash yeah, Future. Yeah, and people have, we have so watch yourself. and we will. <laughs> yeah, if you are going to do that, do not do it inside the iOS app, or it will be more expensive as of like next week. Yeah. yeah, I don't know who was doing that anyway. That's crazy to me. Subscribing through, I, I do yeah. that. You do what? that? Yeah. What people My like bro? you? I guess yeah, people like freaks like me, right? You are the most susceptible to like marketing or an easy way of doing something. I this think of all true. the members of the yes, cast. Yes, that absolutely yeah. is true. I'm you. Uh, don't trick me because you will be able to. Mm. It's <laughs> ironic for a man who's as good at spotting frauds and flim flams as you are in your professional life. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you all, everybody, for listening, and we will see you in a few short days. Bye, Bye everyone.